We're in a series called Fresh Start, and I won't take you all the way back to the beginning, but I do want to echo a passage of scripture that we looked at last week. So if you were here, this will be familiar. If you weren't here, then hopefully this will bring you up to speed on what we're going to be talking about today. But the passage of scripture that we looked at last week comes from the end of a letter that Paul wrote to a group of Jesus followers in Thessalonica. And near the end of his letter, he basically summarizes what he's been talking about. In fact, this is the last thing that he will write before he gives like specific like uh, uh, shout outs to different uh, individuals by name. Before he gives these shout outs, he gives this last like summary. And this is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 through 24. And it says this, now may the God of peace, and I'm just going to pause right there because it's really important that you get that, that this is a God of shalom. This is a God who cares about your well-being. This is a God who loves you. He's not against you. He is for you. He's not in a bad mood. He loves you, okay? So right out of the gates, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way. Holy, what does holy mean? Last week we talked about that holy is that that we take something that, that would be you know, just mundane or average, and we take it out and we separate it. It is now set apart for that which is noble, And so God, he sees you, and he doesn't just see you as average or mundane. He wants to take you and set you apart for a noble purpose, because he has a destiny for you, because he loves you. And so may the God of peace make you holy in every way, not just in your Sunday morning life, but in every compartment of your life, in every aspect of your life, he wants you to be set apart unto himself. He goes on, he says, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Listen, Jesus is coming again. His return is imminent. We, we don't know when he's gonna come back. It could be before I finish the sentence. It could be after I die. I don't know, I have, I have a hunch that he's coming back soon. That's how I feel, but, but I don't know his times, his ways. And here's the deal. I, when Jesus comes back, I don't wanna be in an uncomfortable position. I don't want Jesus to come back. I said last week when I'm swearing at my coworker, you know, I, I, I want, so I want to be set apart. Jesus is coming back. I want to be in a good position when Jesus comes back. And then he says this, and this is so encouraging to me. God will make this happen. For he who calls you is faithful. Listen, God will make this happen. You don't have to stress. You don't have to be frustrated. You don't, oh, I will be holy. No, you you can just relax in the fact that God will make this happen. Now, here's the caveat on that. You can't just sit on a couch and wait for God to make you. Like, you've got to cooperate with him. You've got to partner with what he's doing. But God will do this. He, He will make you holy. He will do this. He who called you is faithful, he's trustworthy, you can depend on him. But here's the thing about this process of God making us holy, and and I have a a, a backpack here, and this isn't like a school backpack, this is like a camping backpack, it's a hiking backpack, and and I have this here because I wanna remind us that this process of holiness is not like a one-time deal. It's not, hey, let's all come to the front, we're gonna pray a prayer, God like, instantly download something we walk out of here we're completely different like like we believe that when we pray a prayer and ask Jesus to come into our life that positionally before him we are justified but we also believe that there's a journey of becoming more and more like him right and so this is a journey I have this backpack it it reminds me of camping trips and I I don't tent camp anymore because I did that okay I did it I paid my dues 
And now I'm an adult, I get to make my own decisions, I don't do it anymore. But I do make my son do it, because he's got to pay his dues, right? And uh, he's actually running our cameras for our online church right now, so if you're watching online, you can give a shout out to Kyle. But so proud of him, yesterday he finished another merit badge, and he's two merit badges away from his eagle. So we're really proud of him and excited. Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? So if you know anything about scouting, like that's a big deal. He's already got his life, and, and Eagle will be the next. So. Uh, but, but, so this is his backpack. It's not my, my backpack. And I was like, Kyle, can I borrow your backpack? But here, here's what I want to talk about is, is God, God will do this. God will make us holy. We've got to cooperate. We've got to partner with what he's doing. So how will he make us holy? How does he do this? And I would submit to you that there's a number of ways that God uses to spiritually form us, to cause us to become more and more like him, to to reflect his character and his nature. And listen, this isn't a bad thing. Maybe you grew up in a church where when holiness was talked about, the pastor always looked like he was in a bad mood, and he always looked like he was about to bust somebody in the church, right? Like holiness was like this thing. I don't know about you. Holiness to me growing up, I thought holiness was like a list of all the things we weren't supposed to do. And I was always hoping that the pastor wasn't going to add another one because it seemed like he just kept adding the things that I like to do, right? Like, oh crap, I can't play euchre anymore? Like, when did cards become, like, unholy, right? Like, I mean, it was always like, oh, can't go to the bowling alley, can't watch a movie, can't, any, anybody else with me? On that? Like, but that, that's not what holiness is. That's, that's not the deal. God loves you. He loves, he's got your best interests at heart. He wants you to reflect his character and nature because he knows that it's the best thing for your relationships. He knows that it's the best way for you to flourish. He knows that that's how you're really gonna feel fulfilled in life. And so because he loves you, he wants to make you holy. This isn't God in a bad mood. It's not God against you. This is God for you, God for your best, right? So, so he uses some things in our life to cause us to become holy. And so I've got some of these things in this backpack, and I want to share them with you. We're only going to look, there's five that I want to talk about, but we're only going to look at three of them today. And then next Sunday, we'll look at the final two. And the first way, and if you've been around church world, you're going to go, oh gosh, I know this already. Like, I could preach this better than you, dude. Like, the first way that God uses to make us holy is through his word, through scripture. In fact, you can't become more like God without scripture, without putting his word in your heart. The, the psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. David said in Psalm 119, how can a young man or a young woman keep their way pure? By living according to your word. That it's through the word of God and not just through having it on a bookshelf or through you know, opening it occasionally, but it's through putting the word of God inside of us that we become more and more like Jesus, that we begin to reflect his character and his nature. The word of God is essential for this process. Paul would say it this way to Timothy. He said, all scripture is God-breathed. That's significant. Like, when we're reading scripture, this is God-breathed. And he said, and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. And then I love this next verse. So that the man of God or the woman of God may be thoroughly, what's the word there? So that the man or woman of God might be thoroughly what? Equipped. Equipped. Equipped for what? For every good work. Like, I've got to get the word of God in me. Yes, it's, he, he's going to use it to teach me. Yes, he's going to use it Sometimes to rebuke me. In fact, if you read the Bible and you never feel rebuked, you're not reading it right. Okay? The Bible is not just supposed to always make you feel good. 
The Bible is supposed to get in your face. The Bible is supposed to make you go, oh, crap. Like, yeah, that's me. I, I need to do something about that, right? The, the, Bible, the Bible is, yes, to teach, but also to rebuke, to correct, ultimately to train, and, he, and it's to prepare us, to equip us for what God has for us. And so I want to challenge you to be a man, to be a woman who reads the word, to read the word of God. And, and here's just some practical things, because I know you, you've been through sermons where the pastor's, you know, gotten all red in the face, you need to read the Bible, and you feel guilt for a little while until you have lunch, and slowly the guilt goes away, and by the end of watching the second football game, you've completely forgotten about it, but like, like, how do, like, okay, what do we do? I know I'm supposed to read the Bible, I have this low-level guilt that's constantly hovering over me that I don't read enough, like, how do I read the Bible? I, I would encourage you with several things. First of all, before you even attempt to read the Bible, and we're going to get into some of the practicals of reading the Bible. Before you even start to read the Bible, I would, I would pray a prayer of just, Holy Spirit, please teach me. Holy Spirit, would you open my eyes to see what you want me to see? Would you show me and convict me regarding the areas that I need to change in my life? So you're starting out with a, with a posture of humility, just saying, you know what, before I even read this, I recognize, Holy Spirit, you breathe this. This is God-breathed. Would you now come alongside me and would you teach me? And then as you, as you read scripture, as you open the word, I would encourage you to read it with a pen or with a highlighter in hand and mark up your Bible. And every once in a while I run into someone who say, well, I can't write in my Bible. That's a holy word of God. Yeah, well, that's the way you're gonna internalize it is through marking it up. Highlight it, underline it. As thoughts come to you as you're reading God's word, write in the margin the things that, that God is teaching you. Mark it up. Now, some of you are going, well, I've tried reading the Bible, and I had good intentions, and I got all the way through Genesis. I even read through Exodus, and then I just gave up because I got about two chapters into Leviticus, and this train wasn't gonna go anymore, right? Like, like we, you've gotta have a plan. You gotta know how to read the Bible. Listen, the Bible is intimidating, because it's not written like any other book. And so you can't read it like any other book. If you've never read the Bible before, honestly, you probably shouldn't even start at the beginning. You should probably start with the Gospels, which are the four accounts or biographies of Jesus' life and ministry written from four different perspectives. Like, I would encourage you to start in the New Testament if you've never read the Bible before and focus on the Gospels. And then, and then you can get around to reading the whole Bible, and I'll give you some resources for reading the whole Bible in just a moment. But if, if, you're, if you're just in the place of going, Ken, I don't even know how to read the Bible. And listen, this isn't just for beginners. I, I've met with people who have been attending church 30 years, 40 years, and when no one else is around, and they'll kind of look around, they'll be like, I don't know how to read this thing. I'm like, that's all right. There's a lot of you out there. Okay, you're not alone. Here's a great tool, just a great, it's even entertaining, a great tool for learning how to read the Bible. And to get to the tool, I've got to tell you about a different tool. The first tool I want to tell you about is Right Now Media. Right Now Media, our church, Journey Church, pays quite a bit of money every year so that every person who's a part of our church can have a free subscription to Right Now Media. You'll never be asked to pay for it because we've already paid for it. And so, and so Right Now Media is like the Netflix of Christian teaching. I mean, thousands of videos. There's kids' videos that you can watch. There's uh, teachings from, from books of the Bible, topical, marriage, uh, parenting, all, all these different types of teachings that are part of Right Now Media. And just like Netflix, it's an app. So you can have it on your phone, you can have it on your 
your Roku, on your smart television, and the way that you can access it, and if, you, if you're here for the first time and you never come again, you can, you can, this is our gift to you. You can go to explorejourney.org slash gift, and it's got all the details of how to get Right Now Media. I encourage you, if you've got a smartphone, just go ahead and put it on your smartphone. Now, when you get into Right Now Media, and you can even do it right now. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Get out your phone and even try to figure it out right now. When you, when you get into Right Now Media, you can go to search. I would encourage you, if the Bible is intimidating to you, I would encourage you to search how to read the Bible how to read the Bible, and there's a series of of videos there by Tim Mackey, and they're five minutes long, and they're entertaining, and they're illustrated, and I would just just start to watch those videos. And here's here's a great idea, okay? We all go to the bathroom. We all take our phones into the bathroom anymore, right? And so for the next week, instead of wherever else you go, just pull up Right Now Media and watch one of those five minute videos. Your body will be cleansed. Your spirit will be cleansed. You'll, you'll be good to go, okay? And, and, and you'll learn, and I'm telling you, these videos, they're short and they're entertaining, but I've learned things in there that I didn't learn in Bible college level classes before. You, you will learn so much about the Bible. The Bi- All of a sudden, this intimidating book will, will make more sense to you, and you'll have better handles as to how to read it. A second tool, if you have a smartphone and you haven't already downloaded the YouVersion Bible app, you need to download this. Uh, a month and a half ago, they announced that over half a billion people have now downloaded the, the YouVersion Bible app. It's extraordinary. And so it's got any translation that you would want to read the Bible in is on there and in any language. I was talking to a friend last Friday who um, grew, up in a, grew up in Spanish-speaking, and I was asking him because he's now you know, married to a woman who doesn't speak Spanish and, and is in this English-speaking you know, culture now, and I asked him, I said, how do you stay fluent in Spanish? And he, and he said, I read the Bible in Spanish every morning. I was like, that is brilliant. Some of you, some of you have been saying, listen, you could kill two birds with one stone. You've been saying you want to learn a different language. Start reading it every morning in, in you know, you want to learn German? I don't know. Whatever it would be. I'm sure a German translation of the Bible is in the YouVersion Bible app. Not only that, okay, not only that, but there's Bible reading plans. You can go into the Bible reading plan section, and there are plans for every issue that you might be facing in life right now. You, you need peace in your life. You're struggling with anxiety or depression or you need helps, tips with parenting. You can, you can go in there, search any word, and there will be plans, that three-day plans, five-day plans, ten-day plans, and it will give you scripture to read every day. It's, it's a great resource to help you in reading the Bible. Some of you have been convicted that you, you still, you've been a Christian for a long time and you've never read all the way through the Bible. Here's a great resource that I've used several times called the Bible in One Year. It's an actual app, the Bible in One Year, and you can get to it by going to thebibleinoneyear.org. And it's by Nikki and Pippa Gumbel, who are the one, Nikki Gumbel started the Alpha Course, which is a huge course, international course. And, um, and if you want to, he'll actually read it to you, and he's British, and so it just, it just is great, okay? He gives you commentary, he explains what you're reading, he, he makes it practical. It is so helpful, and so if you've ever wanted to do that, I would start today. You don't have to, you don't have to wait until January 1st, 2023. Just start today. You don't even have to wait until February 1st. Just, just start today. So the primary way that God wants to form us spiritually, the way that he wants to make us holy as we cooperate and partner with him, is through his word. And listen, as this world gets darker, 
The people of God have got to be committed as never before to the word of God. We cannot afford to be Bible illiterate. We have to be men and women who are reading God's word. And listen, we live in a time where there's no excuses. In fact, I believe our generation will someday be judged for the number of resources that we had available to us that we didn't utilize. I believe we will bump into people in eternity who will say, you had, you had all of these resources and you still didn't read God's word? Okay, enough of the guilt trip. Here's a, a second way that God uses to form us spiritually is, and I, I couldn't think of another way to illustrate it, so I got a whistle. Let's try it out. <whistles> that baby, and I, I was trying to be gentle. I can't even hear. Okay, so, so this is a whistle, and the whistle always reminds me of a coach. How many of you were in any kind of like high school athletics? It could be the bowling team. You were in high school athletics, yeah. And, and every, every high school team, I, I was even in a speech and debate team. Every team has a coach, right? And the coach, sometimes the coach isn't even as good as the athletes. In fact, you get beyond high school level, and you get into the elite levels, and, and you, you find that, I mean, international stars of athletics will rely upon coaches who can't even come close to doing what they can do. But these stars, these athletes will rely upon a coach because the coach can't compete with them, but they can push them. They can push them. I, I got to be careful because this is going to be a line, online. But uh, I, I ran track and cross country, and I can tell you some of our coaches couldn't even have kept up with us like one iota <laughs> like overweight coaches coaching like cross country but here's the deal they knew how to push us they knew how to train us they knew how to encourage us right so here's the thing discipline is not something usually we hear the word discipline and we want to run from discipline right but discipline can actually be our best friend because it's through discipline that we get better. It's through discipline that, that we can accomplish the goals that we have. God has several disciplines for us. We would, we would call these personal disciplines that the Bible talks about that are meant to help us become more and more like Jesus. That are meant to help us to become holy. And there's a lot of personal disciplines that we could talk about. I want to look at Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus is speaking and Jesus talks about three particular personal disciplines. Let me get there. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talks about several disciplines that are so important. He talks about giving, he talks about praying, and he talks about fasting. And in each one of these occasions, as he's talking about these personal disciplines, he, he talks about how God responds to our private acts of discipline. That God sees what we're doing, especially when we do it in secret. God sees what we are doing, and he turns his face, and he responds, and he rewards us. In fact, Jesus uses this line. I'm going to read um, Matthew chapter 6, verse 4. Jesus has been talking about giving, and at the, the summation of giving, he says this. He says, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. That's amazing. Jesus, this is Jesus, the son of the living God, says, hey, when you give, your father in heaven sees, first of all, he sees what you're doing. He notices what you're doing, which blows my mind that the God of the universe with seven billion people on the planet 
that when, when, I, when I do this discipline of giving, that God leans in and he sees, and not only that, that he rewards it, right? So then here's a crazy thing. Several verses later, Jesus is now talking about praying. In fact, this is a passage where he gives us the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, and, and he says this regarding prayer. Same exact line. He says, then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. You skip down to verse 18, and he's just talked about fasting. And after talking about fasting, Jesus says, I, I bet you can figure this out, then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Listen, we begin to look more and more like Jesus. We reflect his character when we practice these personal disciplines. Now, we've talked over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about praying. And in our first week, we actually talked about fasting. Fasting is when I say no to something in order to say yes to God. God, I, I'm going to say no to food for this particular meal or for this period of 24 hours because I'm saying yes to you. I want to be more like you. So we've talked about prayer and we've talked about fasting, but you know what we haven't talked about in a long time? If you've been around Journey over the last number of months, even over the last year, we have not talked about giving at all. And so this isn't, a, this isn't a whole sermon, but I just want to give you a few thoughts regarding giving. First, the first thought is this, that followers of Christ are called to put Jesus first in every area of our life. In every area of our life, we're called to put Jesus first. In fact, and some of you don't even realize this, but that's why you are here this morning. You got up, looked out the window, saw that everything was covered in snow, and yet you still decided to get dressed, even though some of you, truth be told, were like, I think I want to stay in my PJs and stay in bed, right? Okay, you can admit to it. You, you, you got dressed, you went out, started the car, you drove on unplowed roads, at least first service, but when we got here around 7.15, 7.30, ain't nobody out there plowing. You drove, and, and you, you, you got here, and there might not have even been enough coffee. I don't know. Did we run out of coffee today? I don't know. And, and why did you do this? You did this because this is the first day of the week. And with the first several hours of you being awake on the first day of the week, you wanted to say, Jesus, you are first in my life. Now, that isn't a put down to people watching online. If you're watching online, we love you too. And, and we're glad that you had to open a phone and go to a... <laughs> No, I'm just joking with you. We still love you guys. But, but you know, the, the idea is that we want to put Jesus first. But not just putting Jesus first in our calendar and the activity of coming here on the first day of the week. Our finances are no different. When we tithe, we're saying, Jesus, I want you to be first in my finances. The tithe is the first and the best 10%. Maybe you'd never realize that. That's what tithe literally means, a tenth. It's the first and best 10%. And it comes from this idea, and you don't have to agree with me on this. I, I can point to scripture in the Bible and, and argue with you. But it comes from, first of all, this idea that everything that we have comes from God. Like everything we have from God. My health comes from God. My, any finances that I've accumulated comes from God. Like everything I have, and that it can all be taken away in a moment. I don't have control. As much as I think that I have control over all of my stuff, my empire of stuff that I've accumulated, it could, it could all be gone in a moment. It could all be gone in a day. The economy co could collapse tomorrow. There's a number of factors that could, Ukraine and all kinds of craziness, right? 
Don't even watch the news right now. It'll make your head spin. So, so, so there's this idea that everything that I have has come from God. So the biblical idea is that I take the first 10% of the finances that God has given me, the resources that God has given me, and I don't give it to him. In fact, the Bible doesn't use the, that language at all. I don't give it to God. The Bible uses the language that I return it to God. He gave it to me. It's his. Everything that I have is his. And he asked me to return to him the first and the best 10%. Now, this makes no human sense, okay? If, you, if you're not immersed in Scripture and you're not, the, the, from a human perspective, none of this makes any sense. But it's this mystery that as I return to God the first 10%, that God now blesses the 90% that remains. Now, I've got to be smart about it. I can't be an idiot. I can't spend the 90% that remains like a drunken sailor. I've got to have some wisdom and, 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 and think through that. But that as I am faithful in returning to him the first and best 10%, that he blesses everything else that remains. And, and this is crazy, but here's what scripture says. A number of times in scripture, it tells us not to test God. Do not test the Lord thy God, right? I mean, we see this in scripture, but there's one place in the book of Malachi where God actually says, no, you can test me in this. In other words, I know this sounds foreign, I know this sounds like it doesn't make any sense, but just try me. This is God saying, just try me in this and see if I don't bless you, see if I don't take care of you. I know if, if you've never heard this before, you're going, this is whack, and this really honestly sounds self-serving for a pastor to talk about returning, and where am I supposed to return the money to, Ken? To the church? Oh, okay, I got you. I understand what's going on here. No, I'm telling you, we've lived this out. Carrie and I have lived this out. We both grew up in homes where our parents, who weren't pastors, by the way, taught us this. I remember collecting glass bottles when I was a kid. I grew up on Camp Street in Sandusky, and Camp Street's got some shady spaces where there'd be these glass bottles. And me and my brother, Tim, would go and we'd find these glass bottles. And we would go to a store called Pick and Pay. Food Town, anybody remember? Anybody remember Pick and Pay? And you'd go to Pick and Pay and you'd walk in. This, it was a grocery store. And you'd walk in the grocery store and there'd be a place right near the front that would say Redemption Center. And we would take our grocery bags of glass bottles that we had found. And we would redeem them and we would get 10 cents a bottle which back then was like a big deal because, man, you could make some bucks doing this. And so we'd bring in our glass bottles, we'd get our money, we'd go back home, and the first thing my mom and dad would say is, you got to tithe off of that. I'd be like, got a what? Tithe, you got to take the tithe. I'm like, that requires math. Like, just tell me what I need to give, right? And they would sit us down, and, and we, we, just off of the money from glass bottles, we would tithe off it. My, Carrie, same deal in her home that she was taught to tithe. We, we got into marriage, and, and this has just been a part of our lives. In fact, our struggle is figuring out how we can become double tithers. Because we, we don't want to just tithe. We, we want to be able to give even above that. Listen, you don't have to believe me. I'm just encouraging you to test God in this. Now you say, well, what does that have to do with spiritual formation? What does that have to do about God making us holy? Listen, when I give, I best reflect the character and nature of God. Because God is, at his essence, a giver. For God so loved the world that he, that he gave. God so loved the world that he gave his leftovers. Whatever he had left at the end of the month, he decided that he would give those couple bucks to the world, right? Is that what scripture says? For God so loved the world that he gave 
his one and only son. He gave the best. He didn't give his leftovers. He gave the best. Listen, I, it's weird, but when I give, it, it forces me out of this natural selfishness, this natural greediness that is just, it just attaches itself to me. When I give, it disrupts all that and it causes me to look more and more like my heavenly father. I'm, it, I'll be honest, it hurts. I don't, I don't even like, we, we have to, but the IRS requires us to give these giving statements. If you haven't gotten yours, you'll be getting them in the next couple weeks. I don't even like looking at my giving statement. You say, Ken, you're, you're the pastor. Yeah, I look at that amount and I go, oh, that was a lot of money. What if I would have spent it on, don't tell me I'm the only one who thinks this way, right? Some of you are looking at me like, you're the pastor of a church and you think that? Yeah, so sometimes I just, just put it in the pile of stuff that I'm gonna take to my accountant and we'll figure that out later, right? Like, but, but I know that God has always provided for me. God has always met my needs. There hasn't been one day of my life that I truly was hungry. Then some. He's blessed me. He's, some of you guys could tell incredible stories. So I would encourage you, God wants to grow you, not because he's mean, not because he's in a bad mood. He wants to grow you because he cares about you and he wants to primarily use his word. Secondly, he wants to use these personal disciplines and, and just ask yourself, where am I at when it comes to praying? We've talked about praying, so I didn't talk about it as much today. When it talks, fasting, Maybe for you, you need to get into a routine. I was talking to a guy this week and, and, and he's, he's been around the church for years, probably 40, 50 years. And he said, you know, you talk about fasting and I've decided I'm gonna start fasting. Maybe it's a meal every week. Maybe it's 24 hours every week that, that you're gonna fast. And it's not, that, not that because we're trying to, to go on a hunger strike and get God to meet our demands. We're being changed. We're being spiritually formed when we do these things. Maybe it's through giving. Here's the third thing. I, and I know we're gonna come to an end here. The third, the third way that God wants to change you, that he wants to form you, is through key relationships. Through key relationships. When I look back through my life and I look at the seasons where I have changed in particularly broad ways, I can point to key relationships. I can point to, you know, growing up in my formative years, it was my parents. My mom and dad, man, I can't say enough good things about them and how they just imparted so many incredible lessons to me. But after I left the house, I, I remember in college, it was a couple key friendships with different guys who just, who would, who would encourage me and sometimes get in my face and challenge me and, 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 and they would tell me things that I didn't like to hear about myself. It was a college professor who took me under his wings and began to broaden my horizon and, and began to question some of my my biases and my, my thoughts of how life should work or how the church should work and, and he shaped me in that. I, I can think of when we moved here 15 years ago that, that there was a pastor over in Michigan who we, we crossed paths and he, he cared about me and wanted to take me to breakfast and hear how things were going and encourage me and, and coach me. There's been key relationships in my life that if it were not for these individuals, I would not be the person that I am today. And I, and I love what scripture has to say about this in the book of Proverbs. It says this, get all the advice and instruction you can so you will be wise, and I love this, the rest of your life. Like not a momentary bit of wisdom, but a wisdom that will last you all the way through that at the end of your life, like we've talked about the last couple of weeks, you won't be disqualified. That, that it'll be wisdom that lasts you all the way through. But how does this happen? Get all the advice and instruction that you can. 
So I want to ask you, who, are there key people in your life right now, and I'm talking about spiritually mature people, people who are maybe a couple steps ahead of you, that you can go to, that, that, you, that you have a relationship with, that you talk about, that, 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 that you're pushed spiritually. Listen, I, I wish that I could, you know, hand out names to each one of you. Here, Tim Willis, here's your key relationship, and Deanna, here's your key relationship. We could go across and everybody gets a key relationship. But that's not how relationships work, right? I remember before, before I was married in college, I remember being set up on a date. I remember going, it was Carrabba's in Lakeland, Florida. Anybody, anybody ever eat at Carrabba's? That was like the place to go 100 years ago. It was a great Italian. And I remember like I was set up on this date and I knew from like the first minute it was gonna be a horrible night. <laughs> and the seating like took forever and the food took, it was like the worst three hours of my life, right? Like some people, you can't be set up and like it, I can't I can't give you a name of per, of a person to be in a relationship with. I, I can't do that. But you know what I can do is I can invite you to an environment that is conducive for those kinds of relationships. And that's one of the reasons why we beat the drum of life groups so often. You'll go into a life group and you're not going to connect with everybody in your life group. A life group is usually six, eight, sometimes 10 or 13 people and they're not seated in rows of chairs like we are today. They're seated in a circle and in a life group, you can express how your week has gone and, and you can ask questions of the teaching and, 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 and learn about it through, through that way and, and you can express a, a need for prayer and people will pray over you and, and it's, it's a, just a great way to grow in your relationship with Christ. But you're you're probably not going to connect with every person in the group but usually in a life group and if you'll give it some time and try out a few different life groups you you'll stumble upon somebody that that you get you understand maybe they've got a similar background maybe they've been through some of the same things and and that could be your key relationship and so you say hey you want to have breakfast on saturday Man, i'd love to get together i'd love to hear more about your story i'd love to hear more about what's going on in your life and 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 man when you find that key relationship it can be so life-giving, can it? We, we, we love life groups, a journey. We, our church has been built upon life groups. COVID did a number on our life groups. You know, COVID, we shut all the life groups down and we've had a hard time getting them back up. I'm excited that we are now in a semester where we have, I think, 11, 12 groups going right now and, and a number of different groups. This week on Tuesday night, we'll be starting our Financial Peace University. It'll be the first week. So if you've been wanting to get a, in, involved in that, you still have time. In February, we're starting our Grief Share group for people who are going through, you know, just loss in life and you want to be around others who have experienced loss to, to encourage and comfort each other. Uh, we have Three now men's Bible study groups that are starting, and, and man, how powerful is that? One in the morning, two on different evenings of the week. Women's groups, I mean, there, there's so many great groups to be a part of, but honestly, we still need way more groups. And so I'm gonna give you a little sales pitch for a moment. Like, I believe that in my life, I, when it comes to life groups, usually when I am hosting a group or leading a group, I feel like I'm the one who grows the most. Have you ever experienced that? Like when you're the person hosting or leading it, you're like, holy smokes, like I need to know this stuff, right? And, you, and so you prepare and so you and so you grow the most in the process. Can I give you just a, a few groups that I've been praying that God would raise up leaders for? In fact, if you would go into my office, I have a whiteboard and on the whiteboard, I've got a list of these groups. Maybe God is calling you to lead one of these groups. Uh, I've been praying for somebody to lead a recovery group or maybe even 
maybe even several people who would be willing to lead even several. Maybe God has brought you through alcoholism or drug abuse and now you've experienced freedom. You still, you know, you still like any addict, you still have those struggles or those urges and, and, but, but, but you know that God has brought freedom into your life and you would love to be able to lead a group of people who are, who are in that process still of struggling to encourage them and to challenge them. Uh, I've been praying for someone who would lead, quite honestly, a parent of addicted loved ones. We have several people in our church who are going through this with, with teenagers or with 20-somethings, sometimes even older, and, and, and if it's a parent, I can't even imagine what it's like. And maybe you've been through that and you'd say, hey, I would love to lead a group and it's just to encourage each other and just to, to be able to listen to each other to what they're going through. Divorce care. I've got, I've got individuals right now who would love to be a part of it. They've gone through a divorce and it has ripped them, it has shredded them, and they're just looking for, is there any hope beyond this? Will I ever really live again after going through this? Maybe you've been through that and you would love to be able to lead a group like that. A parenting group. Man, parenting is, is so easy until you hit that season where your kids turn into aliens and you just go, what has happened? And so you need someone who, maybe there's an empty nester in this room and you've gone through it. And, and I'm not saying, you don't have to be the best parent in the room to be able to do this either. Sometimes we go, well, I could never lead that. I, I'd say if your parenting was a solid C, God can use you, okay? God can lead you. God can, God can help you with that. Maybe it's a marriage group. We could use, we could use several marriage groups. And again, maybe God has brought you through some things in your marriage. You say, hey, I could help someone else. I can comfort somebody else in that. We could use a mothers of preschoolers because, man, you feel like you're losing your mind, right? When you've got several little ones and you, will this kid ever get potty trained? You know that type of deal? Do you remember that? I remember that with one of my kids. God, God will use these groups to shape others in our church but also to shape you, to form you. And so if, you, if, if I said something in that, in that little uh, couple minutes and you go, man, I'd love to talk to you more about that, please, please reach out. I'd love to have a conversation about that. So here, as we bring things to a landing, of, of these three ways that God grows us and God makes us holy, his word, personal disciplines, key relationships, of, of these three ways, what is the area where you need the most help, where you could, where you could, you, you need to grow. Again, let me repeat them, God's word. So you, you just recognize, man, I don't read the Bible and, and I need to learn how to read the Bible. I need to have a strategy, I need to have a plan. God's word, maybe it's one of those personal disciplines. Man, I don't give, I'm not generous. I, I don't pray like I should, I don't fast. Or maybe it's the key relationships. I need, I need to get some people. I'm, I'm living this Christian life as a lone ranger and I need to get into community. I need to have some people in my life who, who are helping me and pushing me. I want you to, which one of those areas do you need the most growth? Okay. And you can't say all of them. It's not an answer because if you say all of them, you're gonna walk out of here and you're not gonna be changed at all. So I believe the Spirit of God wants to highlight one area for you where you need the most growth. Do you got it? Okay, if you know the answer, I'm gonna ask you to tell the person next to you. If you're sitting by yourself, you're, Elisha, you, you won the lottery today. You don't have to, <laughs> Cedric. You're, but if you're sitting near somebody, I want you to just real quick lean over and tell them what, what is the one. 
What's the one area where you need to grow the most? Okay, now I'm going to make you really uncomfortable. Have you identified it? Everybody's identified an area? Here, here's, here, let's, but I want to be your coach for a second. How? How are you going to grow in that area? Just identifying it honestly isn't even enough. Because, well, I want to do better at reading the Bible. Okay, that's great. You're going to walk out of here, and by tomorrow you're not even going to remember any of the sermon, let alone the fact that you had a, a thought of wanting to read the Bible more. Good intentions aren't good enough. Okay? So we need to have a plan. So, for instance, if, if for you it's Bible reading, if you recognize you need to start reading the Bible, what change can you start making? Maybe, maybe you need to take 10 minutes as soon as you get home or after you've eaten or maybe even before you leave the church. Maybe as everybody else is leaving, you're going to stay in your seat and you're just going to write down a strategy. Here, here's a question. What part of the Bible are you going to start reading? And, and just opening it up and pointing to a verse doesn't work. Okay? You need to have a plan. You need to have a strategy. When will you read? Where will you, where will you start reading? How will you keep yourself accountable? Maybe you're going to set a daily alarm on your phone or you're going to turn the notifications on on your Bible reading app. Do you need a spiritual coach? Do you need to find somebody who's a couple steps ahead of you and ask them to help you in this? Maybe for you, you recognize that you need to grow in a personal discipline. What change can you make? Maybe you need to have a conversation with your spouse about giving or maybe you need to decide to, we're going to test God in this for one month. We're going to give God 30 days and see what he does if we try him in this. Maybe for you, you need some key relationships and you've had intentions about joining a group but you haven't acted on it. Before you leave today, go to our church center app or go to explorejourney.org and look for the list of life groups and just decide, decide which one you're going to join and commit yourself to it. Again, we have good intentions, but we're not good at following through. Force yourself. Make a commitment to a group, and now the group leader is going to be expecting you to show up, and now you got some added motivation to get there, right? Listen, God will make us holy, but we got to cooperate with him. we got to partner with him. we got to be intentional and strategic. we got to decide that Jesus really is going to be first in our life. And that he really does want to form us and shape us. And that this is a good thing for us. And if we believe those things, we're going to have to do some things that are outside of our comfort zone. Because that's how we grow. You never grow as long as you're comfortable. You grow when you step out of your comfort zone. So, can I pray for you? Would you bow your heads with me? First of all, if you're in this room and you don't, you don't know what this, we keep talking about following Jesus. You've heard this, this whole sermon. You've heard about following Jesus. And you go, Ken, what does following Jesus mean? It, it's not complicated. It means you just decide that even if you don't have it all figured out, even if you don't understand all the answers or the doctrine, you just decide, I'm going to decide to follow Jesus. Whatever he wants me to do, I'm going to do it. Wherever he wants me to go, I'm going to go there. Whatever he, he wants me to say, I'm going to say it. I'm going to decide to follow Jesus. I realize that my way of living is not, is not cutting it. I realize that I'm broken and helpless and powerless. I'm sin-stained and sin-covered. I need a power that is beyond myself, and I recognize only Jesus has the power. That through Jesus' death and resurrection, that he has the authority to forgive me and change my life. And so following Jesus is just simply saying, I, 
I receive your grace, I receive your forgiveness, I wanna follow you, I want you to be the leader of my life. If you've never made that decision, this morning I wanna pray for you. So would you just simply, with everyone's eyes closed and heads bowed, I'm not gonna ask you to stand or come forward, but if that's you this morning, you wanna ask Jesus to come into your life, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? If you're watching online, you can, you can message us right now, yeah. Anybody else that would say that's me, I wanna follow Jesus. Yeah, after you've raised your hand, you can lower it. Anybody else? That's awesome, you guys. Father, I pray for those who who raise their hands. I pray for those watching online. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that, that under their breath right now, they would just say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose from the grave. And I put my trust in you Forgive me of my sins. Be the master and leader of my life. I give my life to you. And when you mean that, when you mean what we just said, and it's not just some formula, God hears and he responds and he loves you and he's adopted you into his family. Now God, I pray for everyone in this church those watching online. God, I pray that you would make us holy. God, we want to become more like you. We want to reflect your character and your nature. So God, would you do your work and would you empower us to cooperate and partner with what you are doing in our lives? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, if you, if you raise your hand, would you let us know on that connection card? In the bottom of the connection card, there's a place where you can let us know. If you're watching online and you're deciding to follow Jesus, would you fill out that virtual connection card and let us know that you're starting a relationship with Jesus? And in the room, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. If you're watching online, I guess if it's not too weird, you can stand to your feet too. And uh, can I just bless you this morning before we leave? I want to bless you. May the Lord God make you holy. May you partner and cooperate with what he is doing in your life. May you more and more reflect his character and nature because he is faithful. God bless you. If you need prayer, we have prayer partners that are available at the front. We'd love to pray with you and for you. So as everyone else is leaving, if you need prayer, come up and and let us pray with you. God bless you. Please be safe driving home. We love you guys. See you later.